Virginia. Alright, it's your boy Jim Cat, Mr. Todd Lyle. I'm here with today. Welcome to Virginia Podcast. My cousin, my Mr. Al- Mr. Eric Calloway. Excuse my, my language. I, I get a little nervous when I get around famous people. <laughs> <laughs> right. This is this is official Staten alumni right here. You know what I'm saying? Before before we get into a whole lot of other stuff, like I was saying earlier, I wanted to get into you personally because I know you got a lot of history. You grew up in Stanton, and you've been a lot of uh, been a part of a lot of things that that uh, took place down here. So first, I just wanted to ask, what what was it like for you growing up in Stanton, Virginia? Um, I grew up on Sunnyside, which is uh, Sunnyside Baptist Caroline. Um, it was pretty good, you know. It was the, I really didn't want for anything. Um, our neighborhood, everybody was like a big family. You know, I could go from my house to the Sheppy's houses. I could go to Fry's. I could go to uh, Sheppy's. I could go to many wares. I could go to anywhere. I can go anywhere in the neighborhood, any house. I could go to Dodie Fountain's house. I could go pretty much anywhere. And you don't have to knock. You could just walk in. It's like, baby, sit down and eat. Where? The Huggins house. I mean, just so many to, you know, to just name a few, but. Where? So many families. So I know you were around. I'm gonna I'm gonna jump around a little bit. I know you were around in the '80s during the '80s, '90s during the, the the crack epidemic, and I know you grew up in and deep in it in the trenches. So I wanted to ask you, what was it like for you, and and what did you experience, and how did it affect you personally and and the people around you during that time? Um, like uh, a lot of people I knew. Um, found the substance and it was almost like they found a new religion. They found something to live for. It just like times were tough for some people and getting high was their way of just like dealing with it. Just like a musician plays or, you know, someone sings or you fish. That's just what they found. And all it takes is addictive personality. And uh, the addictive personality is on two ends. Um, On one end, my addictive personality was I was a person who just could not stop saying, okay, um, I know where it's at. Yeah. To that, to that nature. Like, you know, I may know someone. I got yeah. a friend, I got a friend, I got a friend. That's just the type of person I was. But yeah. I had no idea that, you know, the effect I would have on other people and all that. Yeah. And it just became one of the things, like, uh, to men, it was almost like a bonding point because, you know, the jobs, really, we weren't getting the jobs, making a lot of money. Um, It was right there. I mean, it was right there. It was almost to the point with a lot of people, like, I'm going to watch him eat really good and eat with him. Well, I'm going to sit here and watch him eat yeah. and wonder why I'm hungry. <laughs> but the risk, yeah. the risk you had to take was in that moment, yeah. in the right now, when your belly's growling, you're not thinking about the consequences. Yeah. You're thinking about the consequences of you getting some food and your belly stopped growling so you could sleep maybe. Yeah. 
but you're not really thinking about, you know, the people you're affecting or time down the road or maybe having to go to jail or starting life over. It's never about that. It's sometimes life puts you in a position where you get locked in the moment. Yeah. And being in that moment is all that matters. And, you know, sometimes in life, those are the times in life where they have the biggest consequences. But those are the times in your life where you really find out who you are, where you stand with yourself and everyone that you know. And that's just the way I saw it. I know you were a part of a, a big crew around here in State of Virginia. I don't want to call it a gang because that's not what it was. There was a brotherhood called the Jungle. What was it like being a part of that brotherhood? What did that mean to you? The biggest part about the Jungle that I remember was our breakdancing crew. We had 12 members. We had people in the crew that the only reason that they was on the breakdance team <laughs> is because if you voted against them, you probably would have got your ass <laughs> So even though they couldn't break dance, really pop or nothing like that, you had to be deep and high secure. So anybody want to be on the team, you on the team. And, and that's just the way it was. People used to say, oh, this is a gang. Oh, it's nothing. It was guys who started off camping out together and break dancing and, and, and all this, you know, playing football and all that. And you, you, you form that bond with people, whether they're on the team or not. They might yeah. not play the next year, but that's still your friend. Yeah. Um, you might not go your direction, but it's still your friend. So when you get a bunch of friends together, then you're like, okay, you got each other's backs regardless. So, I mean, that's just the way it went. And most of the people involved were related. Yeah. So you would say, oh, this is this. But if you went down the line and say, how many of y'all related? Pretty much we all were related. So it was like a <laughs> yeah. family. Yeah. So like if you're in Stanton and you go to Waynesboro, you got all your family with you. Yeah. Why would you get hurt? Why would your family not get in it? That's just the way it is. Somebody right. trying my family. Family jumps in to help family. And that's just the way that went. I mean, you know. Yeah, I remember, yeah. I remember Jungle. Uh, I remember it being tossed around as, as so many different things other than what it really was. You know what I'm saying? I mean, when you put a name on something, people try to describe it as things or whatever they, whatever they want it to be. Right. Because one right. person can do something, right. and by right. they being affiliated to that right. name, then that's what it is. Right. You know what I mean? So I right. saw it take different turns. With that. I never even knew it was, knew about the breakdancing and none of that stuff. That's See, why I asked, because I wanted the, to know all kinds of stuff. The reason it was called the Jungle is because it was a tribe. Yeah. Now, you know, it was a tribe which consists of many different tribes. Yeah, definitely. Many different families, many different people who just, uh, doing that community, found a way to survive and help each other grow, and it consisted there. It wasn't like someone came and said, hey, let's just do this, or hey, we're going to be a mafia, or hey, we're going to do this. We just start hanging out, and opportunities start presenting themselves, yeah. like playing basketball and, you know, playing soccer and learning different things. Somebody always would go off somewhere and come back with something new, like, yeah. hey, let's do this. Let's all get paper routes. So we started off as kids, like riding bikes and um, racing when Montgomery Hall had the... Um, Motocross. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. My brother won trophies bigger than him. He couldn't even pick him up. I got Quincy. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. he had trophies bigger than him. So he'd come back like, yo, we get these bikes. We can race. And everybody's 
was just branching off doing different things. I never even knew that because I remember that, that that joint down there at the bottom. Right. And I used to ride my mountain bike down there, but I never understood why it was there and nothing was really going on with it. Because by the time I was old enough, I right. guess it wasn't really being used for for nothing like that. The the, the, right. the course was just still there. Well, see, they raced. They had races in Winchester, like maybe West Virginia, Maryland, different places because Quincy traveled. I ain't never know that. Yeah, yeah. He he traveled and man, he won trophies like he won trophies down there. But they just took it away. Dang. I mean, you know, just it went away. It was a lot of empty promises on um they were supposed to be in a pond without rowboats. So yeah. you could fish yeah. up here. There's supposed to be a lot of stuff, but all of a sudden, it's not. Dang, I never knew that. It was a plan. But what happened? And then, and <laughs> I'll ask you this. Like now you see, do you see a difference in Montgomery Hall Park now? Like, cause for me it's like back in the day we used to, well, we used to, some of us still do refer to it as the black park. Right. But now you're seeing like, like tennis courts all down the bottom and like a right. whole lot of trails. It's almost yeah. like it's turning, it, I, I might be looking at it the wrong way, but it looks like it's turning into a thing where it's now everybody's park, which it should have been everybody's park anyway. Like the other one should have been everybody's park, but Things were segregated, I guess, you know what I'm saying, back in the day. And now it's like, now that it's not that way, it seems like they're slow, slowly turning it into right. everybody's park up here. Right, right. Um, it was pretty much always for the people. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's never been to where it was like, okay, um, this is the black part. This is just the other part. Yeah. Like for Mary Baldwin, it wasn't on the maps. If you, if you, it, it wasn't on the map and stand. It wasn't considered anything to it. Got considered historical, and people started digging up the real information on it. But to be honest about it, it's here for anybody. Yeah. But due to the fact that when they said, "Okay, we're going to close at eight o'clock," because people were burning the trash cans, setting fires, there were, um, there were people doing things up here that would have bothered people that came here to have a good time. Yeah. So they stopped the hours so they didn't have to come up here after dark. Which when I myself, I wrote a letter to the editor and uh, JP, Jerry Miller, he wrote a letter to the editor. Okay, so we write letters. The dude totally makes, you know, these comical things about it. Nobody follows up. Nobody writes. Nobody comes to see all meetings. Nobody Dang. does anything. So they said, okay, due to the lack of people showing that they care, then there you have it. Wow. So now it is what it is. I ain't know any of that. So if you want it to be, you show up downtown yeah, and say, yeah. hey, we want a petition to have this done. We put it on the docket, we vote, and you get it. Don't you think that's like the biggest problem with our people anyway? It's like it's like we can sit around all night long and have a conversation about what needs to be done, who needs to do it, and how we need to come together. And then tomorrow, everybody goes on back to their regular lives. Nothing, nothing ever. We don't we don't get back together and start putting the the, the plans right. in motion. Right. I think that's always been the the problem with our people. I ain't gonna say all of our people, but right. you know what I'm saying. For the for the most part, it's like it's never any follow up. There's never any you know what I'm saying. Right. Because just like what you're talking about with that situation, it could have been that simple. Show up for the meetings, show interest, show that you're, because it's all you got to do is keep your foot on their neck and they're going to have right. to give you something. Right. But if you don't give them nothing, they sit, right. they sit back laughing like, them motherfuckers don't care about that shit. Right. And they, they shut the book on it. Right. So when you had, we had a petition, people wouldn't sign it. What am I signing? Why am I putting their name there? They, they just felt like they would be retaliated upon from their job or, 
uh, by putting their name from on their it. little groups they belong to or whatever little cliques or societies they belong to. But in the overall picture, signing the petition was just like signing a petition to get someone on the ballot to 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 run for president yeah. or governor or something. It's just putting your name saying, hey. I agree with that we should have a bigger playground in the top of the park. I yeah. agree we should have um, a big slide. I agree we should have like a place where you could come up here and fish. I agree we should have like a little bridge with a walking trail so you can do that. Yeah. I, I You know, I really do think that this park has enough it's got enough to where it can have more attractions. It's it's the biggest park, pretty much. Well, that makes almost it, in Virginia. That kind of answers my question then, because people not not doing following up and doing what like you saying, y'all. You had the petitions and all the things, and people didn't want to sign it. Then no. that's why we have uh, um, volleyball. Wasn't it not volleyball? Um, was it tennis courts being built down there, and not seeing things that our people would normally be engaging in being put uh, forth? Because I'm sure there's a whole lot of other people. Saying, hey, we want this. And I bet they're signing those pieces of paper and getting their people to put in motion. We should have another one of these. Or, yes. You know what I mean? See, so, okay, so this is the plan. Okay, so let's say this. Let's say you go to the city and you say, okay, I'm going to start a soccer league. I'm going to have 10 teams. I'm going to have uh, 12 players on each team. They're going to play $100 a month. It's going to be recreation. Then you can do what you want during the summer and the off season, And you can teach, we'll teach kids soccer. Make enough money where to pay for the upkeep of it. Okay. Boom. That's a no-brainer. Mm -hmm. Why wouldn't they give it to you? You, you? you got all your numbers right. <laughs> yeah. But then people say, okay, well, I feel like they should get some proceeds. No, you shouldn't get proceeds. You should just interact they always and have to, this. They're always to trying to build find it. some kind of way to, to get right. themselves something. Right. Yeah. Right. So you do your part in it so you can bring your kids there. Yeah. So therefore, you are adding to like, okay, they don't have to pay somebody who just checks people in because parents would just volunteer. And yeah. in return, your kids get to go for free. Yeah. So their kids, their friends are going to come. It keeps it going. But see, we don't think like that. Yeah. We only think like in comparison. Yeah. Like I want to compare my shoes to yours. I want to compare my life to yours. If we stay in comparisons, as long as you compare your life to someone else, you always second best because... You're trying to keep up with the altered ego. Yeah. Something that's not even you. Yeah. That's not even real to try to be like another man. I've never ever been in a group where I wasn't a leader. Yeah. I've never been a follower. Damn sure right. I've been in a pack, but still, I had to go my own way because I am a leader. I'm not a follower. Yeah. I have to do it my way. Damn right. It's just the way it goes. And it, you know, it works for me. It works easier. But there are people who, you know, that's not them. They they want to follow. So if the group is saying, hey, let's let's get a pool at the park, they say, yay today. And then as soon as somebody turn around tomorrow and be like, nah, we ain't forget them. Um, we don't want no pool up there. Then people digress. They digress faster than it is to take the challenge. They digress fast here. Or Right, they digress fast. And once you digress like that and you start going against your things will make you happy, then you just working toward dying. <laughs> yeah. Cause if you ain't working toward living, what's the alternate to yeah, that? That's the only one. Working brother. toward dying, yeah, right? It's only one. Get busy living or get, get busy, busy dying. dying. That's the way I was told. Yep. Right. So in a nutshell, that is what's going on here. And see, I was wondering that and you just you summed it up for me pretty, pretty good. 
And um, like before we before we got on camera, um, you was going into Uniontown. Like I said I'm jumping around and stuff like that. You was going into Uniontown and stuff like that. If you could if you could kind of reiterate what we was talk about and, and touch on some of that for us, because like I said, I, I had no clue about Uniontown. I right. didn't even know it existed until a, 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 about a month ago. And me and my partner Todd, we we went around and we got footage and things of that nature. But uh, Dwayne Witherspoon, shout out to Dwayne Witherspoon, he's been doing research. He got a right. petition that he's trying to get people together. It seems like it's a struggle just to get people to hit a button on Facebook that says, uh, "Yeah, you know, just to sign up a digital petition." It ain't like you got to show up nowhere and write right. on or nothing. Right. It's even hard to get people to do that. So um, right. if you could just touch on that a little bit, I, I appreciate it. Like as far as Uniontown, like uh, when I went to Lehigh, it was pretty much like, what y'all doing this weekend? We can go to the park. We can do this. But if Friday night or Saturday night, there was a party in Uniontown at Jimmy Miller's house, everybody was there. Sure. I mean, like everybody. I'm talking about not just everybody from here. It be Stanton, Waynesburg, Hessenburg, Charlottesville, people, uh, West Virginia. It was so many people in this yard. You couldn't even, you couldn't, you could have took a picture and you couldn't tell how <laughs> many everybody. people was in his yeah, yard. Yeah, got everybody. At any given time. I mean, like the whole city was, everybody was gone. Damn. If you look around and you can't find nobody, they're at Jimmy Miller's house. So you got to get down Union Town. <laughs> Damn. I used to walk down there with David Miller. That's crazy. When he lived down there because... We would have football practice and stuff like that. He wanted to hang out over Sunnyside with me and Carrick and Magwood and Quincy and all, you know, Melvin. Yeah. We, man, we played football on the street till it got dark. But then he had to go home, so sometimes I used to ask, like, could I go down there and spend the night? Like, what the hell? And I walked with him. We walked the railroad tracks. We walked all the way down Uniontown. Man. And we get there, and his parents knew that, like, you know, he was going to walk it. Cause that's just what he wanted to do. It's just, and you told me, um, you told me that uh, about the uh, the bus station and all that. Yeah, yeah. You're saying um, who who used to own the bus station? And if, if I believe right, uh, that was Mr. Anderson. If I, if I'm telling it right, and uh, he lived down there, man, and uh, he owned the bus station downtown, the Trailways, and that's where you went down to catch the bus. And he had his own buses and everything, man. I mean, like, the dude's got a lot of land down there in Uniontown. Then there's Mr. Nate Barrest. Um, He's been down there pretty much, I guess, on property most of his life. And that was a gentleman I got to meet, and I got to do some help him do some work for that in his house down there. And then there's David Miller and his family. Like I said, I've been family with his family since I was, you know, younger. Yeah. But those are the main memories I have. And then Jimmy Miller, I mean, like, I guess when Jimmy Miller and them moved, I guess they closed the street off down there, so you can't even drive all the way through yeah. where the quarry's at. Yeah. It shut it down. Yeah, they got a big, uh, what you call it, like a guardrail block with a stop sign right. on it. You can't get right. through there or nothing. They said it flooded out, but I think Jimmy Miller's party's doing <laughs> Shout out Jimmy Miller for the that. Police for the police coming one way, everybody ran out through the track. Everybody going out another way. I know, that's right. <laughs> they couldn't catch nobody down in there. They probably, they, they probably scared as hell to go back in there. Right. Shit. 
That's crazy, man. Yeah. Well, yo, I definitely appreciate sitting down and talking to you. We're going to keep talking, but we're going to do a little bit more off camera because I won't give my homeboy too much work to have to do editing and doing all that kind of stuff. I feel you. But uh, I definitely appreciate talking to you. I definitely appreciate you coming out and, and giving me some of your time. You know what I'm saying? It's always good to see you, my cousin, my family. I love you to death. So this was a good experience for me on or off camera, and I appreciate you. So. Until next time, this is the Welcome to Virginia podcast. Your boy, Jim Cat. It's your boy, Todd. And yo, Charlie C., the artist. You know what I mean? Walking landmark. We out. <laughs> Peace. Just like a minute or two, we're talking about your comedy. Thanks. So, uh, when, I all, when I got started, like, uh, I always knew that comedy would be something that I would do. So uh, I came back to stand and I was like, man, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what I'm going to do. So my boy Kerry kicked me up and was like, yo, it's a, it's a fly in the park. It's hanging up. So we rode bikes out there to check it out. For real, it was out there. So fly was saying, hey, if you could do improv comedy, you think you're funny, show up. So I go down there. I meet with a director. His name is uh, David Webster. We became... Best friends. I mean, like, you know, that's my ace. That's, that's still, that's my partner. That's, you know. And so pretty much it was like $100 for the class. And I was like, man, yo, I don't have $100 for these classes. Yeah. But if you let me in the classes, I won't let you forget that you're giving me free classes. Yeah. Like, if you need somebody to usher people in, I'm just learning. If you need somebody to help you set up a stage or help you clean up shit, or whatever you need somebody to do, i help you do it yeah. so I can get these classes. So it took a couple months, and I was like, man, I ain't catching no traction. Everybody's like, you think you funny? You ain't even in the shows. You you showing me to my seat in a basement with a Batman picture on the wall. She gets a sink in the back, in a basement I was like, you, but I'm funny. I was like, y'all funny, there are a lot of people I know. But anyway, so... Finally, the tables turned, and I just sh started showing the most energy. So then one night, you threw me on the stage. And from then, I never got off of it. That's what's up. Um, there was a lot of people that were ahead of me in the class, and I ended up doing a movie in, uh, in Atlanta with him with, uh, that had George Wynn in it. It was like Bartender's Day. It was for a billion-dollar company. I'm still on the website. You can look it up. Damn. It's called Q Principal. Hmm. Well, anyway, so the reason I got to go is because I was on unemployment. And the other people, they had school, they had life, they couldn't yeah. go. So I told them, I was like, yo, to get out of Stanton, to go to Atlanta, <laughs> yeah. I'll go for free. Just yeah. like, give me a room. Yeah. I'll work with the crew. I'll do, you know what I'm saying? I yeah. just want to go for the trip. I just want to get out of Stanton. I want to go to Atlanta. Word. So now nah, he was like, nah, if you going, I got you. And he wrote a part just for me. Damn. In the script, wrote a part. My best friend wrote a part just for me in the script. And I, we ran it. And I got the improv with George went from Cheers. And uh, it was amazing. Got to drink a beer with him, man. It was it was awesome. We became friends. He sent me a mug. It's got wow. our pictures on it and everything. Mm. But, like, you know, from there on, it just went from doing shows at the Clock Tower, Waynesboro. We did shows in Atlanta. We did shows... I mean, everywhere we could do all types of vineyards and hunt clubs and everything. We went from time to time and time and time. And then finally, we ended up in Richmond. 
So we do like this big rehearsal. We got a studio. We got lights, camera, action. We're doing live shows. We do an audition. We got a hundred people ready to go. Six different improv movies and, and shows we're going to do. Word. And then COVID comes. Damn. So it just got down to where it's like we didn't have nothing. We could do it online. We could do it this. Everything got crazy. And so like, you know, after not having the income for the stage, it was almost like we put everything we had into it. The last night of the, it being there, I slayed, stayed on the stage. I slept on it. Damn. I was like, man, like, yo, I didn't, like, I'm going to wake up and it's, this is going to be a badass dream. Yeah. I just built this stage. I got a crowd of 60 people. I got people coming to see me. You know, I'm getting mad love. I'm in Richmond. Yeah. You know, I'm about to get my name on a billboard. I picked out my billboard and the side of the bus I wanted to be on. Damn. Because I was going there. Yeah. All this. <laughs> Stop. Damn. Now, I didn't stop. It stopped. Yeah. But I kept going. Yeah. So, after being through all that and now going through all this, now the time, I've healed myself a lot. I've grown a lot, got to know myself a lot. Now, I'm at the point to where I really, really know where the funny's coming from in me. Word. And it's my normal life. The stuff I do that's funny, it ain't gonna offend you. Yeah. It's gonna make you laugh. Because either you're gonna have something in common or you're just gonna think it's funny. <laughs> that's the way it is. I mean, that's the era where comedy's going now. Because if you don't got money like Dave Spell and you wanna start a fight, <laughs> you better have some money. Yeah. You wanna pick on people and do all that? You better have plenty of money. You better be solid. And you know what? Why even do that? Yeah. Why even do that? That's that's not comedy. That's not humor. Humor is, I say something to you like a song, like the song I want to say, like, I can't hold your legs up. Like, it's song. <laughs> Man, just make you laugh, see? Yeah. <laughs> Cause it's all on me. It ain't on nobody else. It'll be taken that way by a few. Yeah. But it's not meant that. It's a weakness of mine. Hey. And that's where my humor comes from. Where? The funny things I've done. Stories I can tell. That's where my human comes from. And there y'all have it. Mr. Eric Calloway himself. Welcome to Virginia Podcast. We out of here. Welcome to Virginia. Welcome to Virginia. I'm trying to hold the legs up. Look, she got these good sheets like so my knees slide. My feet just stayed on the edge. And look, I'm going off the bed. I'm thinking to myself. Girl, I can't hold your legs up. Man, that's supposed to be okay. Man, I want to. Girl, I can't hold your legs up. Oh, oh. But I want to. <laughs>